0: Beyond the Wrench with Jay Gananen from Wrenchway. Welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinan and I am your host. Today with, I have with me Martha Kerrigan, who is the CEO from Big Shoes Network. And before we get started with Martha, just wanted to say we want to get your insights on what you want to hear on Beyond the Wrench. If you have a topic or guest that you're interested in hearing from, shoot us a message letting us know. We always love ideas and insights from folks in the industry to to really give us an idea of of who they want to hear from so that we can produce really good content for you to listen to. Martha, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. And yourself? I'm doing great. We've got a, a big list of things to cover today and primarily around recruitment marketing. But before we get into the actual kind of meat and potatoes of the conversation, Let's talk about Big Shoes Network and and what your role is there. Can you tell us a little bit about Big Shoes?
1: Big Shoes is a company that the name comes from. We help companies filling big shoes. So companies that are interested in finding talent in the marketing, advertising, PR, web, graphic design, and social media sides of the business post their opportunities on our website. We share them out to our social media channels and to our subscriber base. We also help talent. You know, we're free to anybody that wants to come to the site, you know, hop on our social media site, subscribe to get the latest jobs and internships in that area. And we're very niche were Wisconsin, Illinois, and Minnesota, and that's quite intentional. You had asked about my role. I'm the CEO. Between my partner and I, we have been in the advertising PR marketing world for 30 plus years. I hate to admit that. And I cut my teeth on <laughs> marketing and sales in at Manpower. So Manpower Group it provides industrial. At that time, it was industrial. So people that work in factories, people that you know work with tools and office clerical, they did a, a, a contract temporary placement in that realm. And now they do technical. So that's where I cut my teeth and have a real interest and passion about both of those sides of the business because I grew up in a family where my dad worked in the steel business and the steel building business so that was super interesting and all of that so we have about 4000 clients in Wisconsin Illinois and Minnesota that are about 40% agency 40% corporate and 10% nonprofit and then we have a, a ton of people wow. that we help we have another business called, a side business called Next Steps. So I also help people in their career, college and change
0: process. And so that's what I do. How, so what led you to get to the manpower part? What, like early days, what, what was it that was kind of intriguing about the industry to, to take you to that level?
1: Well, when I was in school, I went to UW Milwaukee, I really wanted to do training and development. So help companies train their employees in a variety of aspects. I I worked on a technical, you know, database system as part of my work study program. So that got me sort of in the technical field. And I had I told you that my dad was in the steel bills business. He sold steel buildings, but also was involved in some of the new concepting of that. And I promised myself I would never get into sales. That was the dark side. And so right out of school, I got a job as a, you know, a squeaky clean college grad, training 40-year-old collection age agents, collectors, on their new IT system. So, and it was 98% male, all middle aged, really crusty people that, you know, were collecting on debts. And that was great, good place to start learning to be tough and teach. And then I was writing that training and then started working with Manpower, writing their training, both for, well, primarily for the, the clerical side of the business. And then they asked me to help do marketing and sales for industrial and clerical.
0: It's funny how your career evolves in, in maybe different ways than you would have thought, you know, growing up and, and and going through school. I know my story is similar to that, where I just always thought I would be a technician, never, ever imagined not working in a shop. And then, you know, I, as my story goes, it, it definitely went a different route than the shop. But it's also just kind of, you know, it, it's it's a fun piece of life, I feel like, because it's something where there's unknowns, there's unknown companies, there's unknown roles, like it, it just, it's, it's something that you're probably not even aware of. And I think that's one of the really cool parts about what we're talking about today is the importance of recruiting marketing, recruitment marketing, and, and really adding that second level to recruitment, I think is so important because, it allows a an individual like a younger version of us to go out and see what you've got for opportunities and and not only just for young people but for for people that have been around the block too right like i think being able to actually see what it's like to work there is so important and why recruitment marketing has become such a such kind of a a necessity within your recruitment strategy so let's start with that and talk about recruitment marketing a little bit you you brought that marketing background into recruitment. And I'm curious as to the impact that that has, right? What is it that recruitment marketing even is? I think a lot of times businesses can get kind of scared off by that because it feels like a a big company word, but it it really is something that I think is key for any size business at this point. So tell us a little bit about recruitment marketing, why it's important and and really at its core, what is it?
1: I'm going to work backwards. Recruitment marketing is just Marketing Perfect. to current and future employees. So recruiting for employees on all levels and in an all-way. So that's basically what it is. And all and the tools you can use and the strategies you would use. The second piece of that is why is it important today? Well, there have been a number of studies that are out. One of my favorites is called Student Beans. But what they've done is they've looked at brand marketing. So telling everybody about your company and, and why you're a good shop to go to, why you're liable, all of those things. But the second piece of that is telling future employees why you're a good employer. And the reason that that's important is because elder Gen Z's, they call them zillennials, so 25 year olds, people are older, they're making financial decisions. They're purchasing more prolifically than we even did. Millennials, 26 to 41 year olds, Gen X's, but specifically Zillennials and Millennials, they're not going to buy a product or service if they perceive that it's a rotten place to work. So there's like three quarters of them won't buy if they perceive it's a rotten place of work. So if you're not focusing on your employees, current And future employees, that can impact whether or not someone actually uses your service. So it's kind of a long tail thing. It's become more important. And then the third piece of that is because of COVID and recent economic changes, et cetera, it used to be that in larger corporations, the marketing department would never talk to the HR department for Pete's sake. You know, you're... (laughs) you're, car salesman is not going to talk to your HR person that's doing this recording, but now you have to. So HR communications, they have a seat with the owner of a company or the C-suite of a corporation Hmm, maybe every six months, right? Oh, we got to buy more advertising, you know, on this board to recruit people. But now they are weekly communicating because of those issues that I mentioned a few minutes ago. So whether large or small, it's super important for your ongoing future
0: profitability to be a really good employer and to recruit likewise. Mm. And at its core, and I feel like I beat a, a, a drum with this almost every time I'm talking to somebody because it is something I'm really passionate about. But that, at its core, being a good place to work is the start and the foundation of any recruiting strategy. Because if you're not it doesn't matter how many people you you chew up and spit out. Like it's just not going to be easy for you to find people. And I think this is something, especially in the blue collar world, that has changed over the years. I think you know, even up until as recently as maybe five years ago, there was still a lot of in our in our side a lot of shops that were still under the mindset of ah, you know what? If we'll hire this person, that they don't work out, we'll fire them and and get somebody new. And it. It felt like that when you were in the shop, right? It felt like that they weren't being treated all that great. And what happened in a lot of ways that I've seen is that social media played a big piece in that. And they you know, having employee employees call out employers on social media and and I think it it really as it got tougher to find people, it, it got some maybe old school managers to kind of shift their way of thinking there a little bit. And it was necessary, I think, in a lot of ways to to make sure that, you know, this culture thing wasn't just a buzzword, that we actually have a good culture and that we actually do treat our people well so that it it can make the people happy that are already there and then have, hopefully they'll tell their friends. Hopefully when you go out and advertise, you're not getting contradictory information from a current employee, which we've seen that a lot as well. But I'm guessing that is, you know, Based on what I'm hearing, very core to what you're talking about with employer marketing is that if, if you don't have that side down, none of the other stuff matters. True, very true. I 100% agree. Well, that's good. So, so what was that shift like? It, when when we look at that, the shift in mindset of of really being able to look at a new age of recruiting and why we have to change. I think we kind of touched on that but i think there's so much that goes into that it, what is it that a, a company needs to to do in order to really shift that mindset and and hopefully take a different approach than what they have in the past
1: well part of that is is understanding the why behind the actual what are you going to do about it right because i'm i'm kind of old school and I'm like, oh, come on, you don't have to pander to these you know, rah, 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 kind of thing. But when you look at the why, it will help to adjust that mindset. So I want to take a look back at what's happened in the last recent history. So right now we have unemployment of 3.6%. It's pretty low. It was, that's the same thing that was true, you know, three four years ago. It was 3.6%. But unemployment claims are down by 50%. And the highest number of people in the United States quit their jobs in March of 2022, according to LinkedIn. So people are quitting their jobs like crazy. So it's really, and then you got the volatile economy. The next, I'm going to look at five things. So that was the first thing. The second thing is work from home is here to stay. And you're like, well, not for me and not for my employees. Right. But their families are work from home. And you said that, you know, people are going to report on social media if you're a turn and and burn kind of shop. Well, no, a mechanic may not do that, but I'll bet your bottom dollar if my husband is having a crappy experience, I'm going to tell everybody on my social media end. So work from home is here to stay and it becomes important for your employees. Then look at the volatility. Number three thing is the George Floyd riots, the fires and floods, the issues of climate change, the capital riots. So the. Lack of trust in government means that diversity, equity, employment is important, environmental issues are important. That lack of trust means that Edelman did a study, it's a big communications company, they did an employment study, they do it every year, and so that the trust in government has shifted to people are looking to trust their employers. They're looking for that as an authority figure. So the fourth thing is, and I think this is so interesting. Bloomberg did a study, a longitudinal study of people employed in the marketplace. So they adjusted it for differences in population, etc. cetera. Since the 19, late 40s and 50s to now, 7% of men are missing from the workforce. So there's a reduction of men entering the workforce. Again, adjusted for population. Why? The top two reasons are substance abuse. So when you think about the increase of weed and the legality of CBD and the the impact on career for that, drug testing, et cetera. And then the second one is improvement of video gaming technology. So more of that population is very engaged eight hours a day in gaming. So that's the, I'm gonna come back to this. So that's the fifth one. And then the sixth one is during the COVID-19 recession, tech school, not recession, but like 20 to 21, tech school enrollment was down by nine to 12%. One million fewer students entered four-year degrees. And because of the 09 recession, people had built up a lot of savings that were in that older workforce. And so they just dropped the mic and said, done. I'm quitting, I'm gonna retire right now. So let's let's boil this all down to ambition has been redefined. It's not necessarily money anymore and the rules of success are completely changing. That was just quoted in LinkedIn this morning. So the mindset means quality of life in your recruitment strategy is the number one recruitment tool. Quality of life is your number one recruitment tool second focus on the individual and micro populations instead of just trying to throw spaghetti against the wall and then the place to start is employee retention because that is where you're going to get the best bang for your buck when it comes to recruitment so let's look at those populations millennial and gen z they're the ones that are kind of entering the workforce and you know the the top of your peak One of the, they did that element study I mentioned, what causes employees to stay for millennials, it's culture, mental health, purpose, being able to have flexibility in their employment and vacation. And for that elder Gen Z, the 25 year olds, it's the exact same, except for the last two points. They want more increased feedback on a regular basis, hopefully positive, and then advancement in their career. Now think about that challenge for your companies. So that's the shift in mindset that pours itself into the tools and what
0: can you do about it. I think this is all this was amazing data that you you brought right here. And I think it it points itself to something that I think is a big concern for managers of businesses is how do you keep everybody happy, right? In and at some levels, it feels like you're trying to chase after everybody and you're trying to have all of these individual, unique conversations at the same time running the business. And And I think in a lot of ways, it can become quickly overwhelming for a lot of people. And I think that's always such a, you know, even for my own business, I look at that and and trying to stay on top of it. Is a real challenge unless you're intentional with it, right? And I think even when you are intentional with it, it's still a real challenge, but it is something that I don't feel like is going away. Like this isn't something that is just a flash in the pan and, and all of a sudden younger people aren't going to desire having more vacation or more off time. You know, I think this is something that we've got to adapt to and we've got to understand. And in a lot of ways, I think it's more challenging to the blue collar community because we need people in, in their stalls, right? We need people in the shops actually producing the work. And so they don't m- maybe get the same opportunities that that work from home crowd do, but they hear about it from their wife or their, their spouse. And I think that presents all kinds of different challenges <laughs> for the, the new age of of just the, the retention side of things and making sure that you're taking care of your people. and And at some levels, It's trying to to pencil it out so that the business remains profitable while being able to offer all of these benefits.
1: Registration is now open for our third annual Tech Mission event. Tech Mission is a two-day virtual event that brings together technicians, shop owners and managers, and fixed ops directors to discuss how we can work together to promote and improve technician careers. This year's sessions will ignite and challenge shops to actually take action, working with technicians and schools to elevate the industry. It's completely free to attend, but you must register. Even if you can't attend live, register anyways, and we'll email you the recordings after the event. You can register at wrenchway.com slash events. Link is in the show notes.
0: So any advice there in terms of how maybe you navigate those waters and, and trying to, to to do the things that you're talking about while also, you know, taking care of the business. And I, and I think maybe I kind of answered that a little bit of like, if you take care of your people, the, the people will take care of the business, but I, I'm interested to see if, if you've maybe got a different take on that.
1: It's really not a different take. It's just a, Bit of a strategy, and it and it may not even cost that much money. It just will cost time, and of course, time is money. There's an organization called Society for Human Resource Management, and they're across the board, all industries, nonprofits, etc. But a place to start is to have a stay interview. Think about the employees that have the greatest longevity in your business. Ask them, you know what what keeps you here? What's the biggest pain in the butt? here? And, and what's the best thing about being here? And then kind of build what we call in the marketing world an, a persona. What, what does that person look like? It could be a person of this age, and then you've got maybe a second person that you talk to, and, and they're a totally different demographic. And what are their interests? What do they do outside of work that's interesting, that, they, that gives them joy, makes them happy? One person, it might be just gaming, right? gaming four hours a day when you get home, but another person, it might be fishing, camping, breathing, I don't know. So taking that, looking at retention. And remember, I, I, I mentioned all of those different issues, culture, mental health, purpose, flexibility, vacation, or, and positive feedback, advancing a career. So what about training? Offering more training opportunities. If I talked to someone that runs a, a handful of shops, in our area and every Wednesday they close up at four o'clock instead of staying open until six and they do retooling they call it because I don't want to try you know like but retooling is maybe a different you know and just providing people opportunities with learning what is the technology that's coming around the bend or already there or best practices this guy does it so much faster how can this gal get up to snuff in the same way? And it could be a big difference. Remember when I mentioned manpower? At manpower, part of our industrial testing package was to, you know, just do all kinds of testing for working on a line, working with tools, etc. cetera. And I'm 5'6", you know, I'm not telling you my weight, and my coworker was 6'3", and just built like a fire hydrant, Right. And I kept flunking the fine motor skill section and he could do it like, that. oh, it was so frustrating. People have different <laughs> skill sets and you can identify that in a persona and help mitigate the frustration on the job. So training, you, my, most Gen Z, Zillennials, 73% plan on doing their own gig as part of their future. So they plan on owning their own business or doing their own work how can you engage them in what's called an intrapreneurship? What are some, you know, new products or new service offerings or the way in which you offer a service that is an idea they have instead of not the way we do it? Think about how you can implement that because that could help keep that person. And then look at benefits. So training benefits. There's a lot of insurance options out there. Some of them include believe it or not, pet insurance. I'm working with a young guy right now that works at a pet insurance company, mental health insurance, elder care insurance. If you're a sandwich generation, which that millennial is, maybe you offer elder care insurance. And you know what? You're thinking, I can't afford all that. No, but identify from the persona what's important and provide the offering. And it may not even be necessary, but just because it's there, it makes someone go, hmm, want to stay. My current, I go to a, a shop and I'm super loyal to them. They ratcheted back and they close at 3 on Fridays. I didn't like it at first, but then I'm like, oh, all right, well, if it means I get steady service later, and maybe that's for the summer. But think about those retirees. Remember I said that, you know, the people did the mic drop because they had all the savings? Well, look what's happening in the economy. So, If you have some people, you have an alumni network, reach out to them, but also reach into your current employees and maybe, you know, offer reduced hours or part-time work for people that want to. their snowbirds. They're going to go for a month to Florida. Okay, I will give you a sabbatical for that. Here's an interesting one. I worked with a gal last week, and she says at their chain of shops, they offer a tool stipend for their employees because most employees have to have their own tools, right? So they have a stipend. So when you see a new gadget or something that's better, or I'd have crappy fine motor skills. So maybe I need a tool that has a broader handle, but it's out of my reach expense wise. Generate a tool co-op. So we here in Milwaukee, we have a company called Milwaukee Tool. Work with them, see if you can get reduced pricing. What about a tool buyback? Remember I mentioned diversity, equity and inclusion and fairness and all of that has become a really big trust issue. Maybe you can do a tool buyback and then donate those tools to we. There's an organization here that helps formerly incarcerated inmates find new jobs. So perhaps you donate to the way back. That's the local organization there. And make sure you're communicating that you're doing it because I'm not I come from a generation. know, we no don't brag. But this is a humble brag and you really need to do it. How about those Gen Zs? How about that 7% of male workforce that isn't engaged right now? What if you offered gaming certificates, like little gift-cardy kind of things for gaming programs? Also in this generation is lack of sleep. So they're working right at your shop, and then they're gonna go home and game for five, eight hours. They're gonna be tired. So I've started seeing on the coast, and this I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like this, But it's working. How about a nap room? Or people that have insomnia? So give them that 20-minute, because quite frankly, I prefer to have a mechanic or someone working on my machinery or tools that's well-rested and bright. So encourage family engagement, sabbaticals, like I mentioned. So that's benefits. I mentioned that persona. If you've identified some employees that are super loyal and that have been there for a while, interview them on screen. You can hire companies to do that and they know how to engage someone who's not comfortable in front of a camera. So they do a side camera shot because some personas, some people are much more comfortable talking to a person, but the camera's looking at them from the side. Otherwise they'll shut down, right? So. Interview them about what makes yeah. this a good place to work. And then stream it on the TVs that are in your waiting room. And then share it on social media, appropriate social media channels. So, again, that chain of shops, they're they are doing that. Here's a really important piece. I have a friend. He knows where he wants to work by using the restroom. If it's icky.
0: It's great exactly advice.
1: It was. Icky was not his word. That's my word. But if it's icky, he's not going to work there. <laughs> So make sure. And then that communication, have more frequent reviews. You know, you might, you may not ever even do a review, but perhaps consider for your current employees review on a bi-monthly basis every other month and then regular communications. So send a text a week. How are you doing? What did you do this weekend? So have a text channel, doesn't cost much within your employee group and find out what they're doing because they, That's how they get engaged and connected and then carry all this over. That's the internal. That's just, you know, little tiny tweaks, very niche in your company. The second piece is recruiting to people that aren't working there yet, but that you want to work at your company. I mentioned an alumni network, so people that have quit actually... Even people that maybe you fired, so think about that. Just kind of nose around and see where they are, because a lot of times they're like really ticked off that you fired me, because you were, you know, I was smoking weed on the job or something. But if you circle back to them, they thought, (laughs) yeah, they were right, I guess. And they can be a good referral network. Early retirees. I mentioned the incarceration. The organization I called the Way Out. They help incarcerated felons. There are a lot of people that are incarcerated because of that number one. Reason before the drug use and it wasn't like strung out on drugs It was just they got caught with over the X amount of weed in their pocket They may not be doing it anymore sure. We're seeing more companies dropping that as a drug testing is an, a piece of their policies minority recruiting. How about sending out your messages via twitch And if you don't know what that is, that is the streaming broadcast for internet online gaming, which is really becoming an interesting advertising network. And it's not that expensive because it's nascent. It's just coming up. I'll tell you the number one complaint we hear from our employees is it's too hard to get hired. I apply for an opportunity. I don't hear anything back. I phone them, text them, email them. And then three weeks later I find out they want to interview. Well, I'm gone. The Milwaukee bucks had a 40 step process to hire people. They got it down to four, four, surely that can happen. And then we've heard of companies offering organizations, small, small businesses offering a try out the job. So come and work here for a week. We will pay you. We'll sit down at the end of the week and find out if you want to stay, because even if they don't want to stay, they probably know some people that would fit culturally, And they can be referrals. So ask them. On the flip side, if you know someone's probably going out the door, we know of some companies that are paying them to stay. And here's what they do. We will pay you an extra two weeks salary after your quit date if you stay for a month. So you're paying six weeks of salary for one month's work. But that gives you a window to recruit and to, you know, so gives you some breathing room. So all of the, okay, I just threw spaghetti at you, right? But lots
0: of little. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot of spaghetti. Oh, it, it it's that's so right, good. It's like perfect. there were so many good ideas in there. There's so many key points that I wrote down of things that you said that were non-traditional and, and really getting shops or any business for that matter to embrace this stuff. And a couple of them that I thought were really, really interesting was the entrepreneurship. I think that's really important. I know a lot of a lot of from our side of it a lot of technicians are getting into YouTubing and being able to put video out instructional video out on YouTube and they make real money on that it's not like it's it's not a competitive thing because they are they're they're making in a lot of cases more money than they are at the shop, and it's it's really all about marketing, right? If we talk about employer marketing. Well, this is somebody going out and creating content for themselves and getting enough eyes on it that people are saying, "Hey, you know what? I would pay that person to endorse my product because of the ability, their ability to to produce eyeballs on whatever it is that they're doing." So, I think the entrepreneurship and embracing that, and not only that, I always said. I had come from companies that were a little bit more old school. And then if you, if you had intentions of starting a business, you probably would have got walked out the door as soon as you had mentioned those intentions. And I think being able to be different than that. And a lot of the shop owners that are out there listening or shop managers, they'll hear from a technician and they're like, I don't want them to become my competition. Like, I don't want to fight against that. But rather than do that, why don't you help them become a better business owner so that they, you know, when they do get in business for themselves and maybe there's a lot of cases where I've seen it, where once they get introduced to what the ownership side really is, that maybe they don't like that as much as they thought they would, you know? And I I think just being able to have conversations with them and really feel the temperature of the room in In a lot of cases where it doesn't have to be formalized. It doesn't have to be something where you're always doing, you know, maybe a, like if you're doing, a like you had mentioned, doing a bi-monthly stay interview. I think that's a great idea. But those times in between, you mentioned another thing that I thought was just awesome, which is that text chain of of, you know, how you doing? Is there anything I can help you with? You know, I think that helps drive communication where the, most businesses just don't do that. And I think it's a really, really easy opportunity for somebody to really have an idea of how their staff is, is feeling. So, so many things you said there that were so good. And I, I jotted down a bunch of them because I thought that, you know, there's just a, a lot of outside the box type of things that I think could help a lot of shops out. Yeah,
1: I love that YouTube idea. Why not put a poster up in your shop that says, hey, check out our employee Zach's YouTube channel where he shows you how to change a tire. I don't know, you know, whatever. Because you know what? I right. would love that, but I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to go to your shop now because Zach is there and he knows how to yeah. do it. So you can help promote those employee opportunities. You know, another interesting thing is the people listening to this are probably business owners, right? So two things that we've heard can help business owners really connect with their employees as they understand what's going on in their employees' lives. One is, I know a guy in the Chicago market and around his area where he's, his his organization is, it's, a, it's not a shop, it's a company. There are a lot of shootings and it, it just stressed the employees out, plus They were down a number of employees, so they had to work extra hours, etc. So this is what he did. He told his employees first, and then he put up posters around the the shop saying, we are going to be closed on these two days as a a gift to our employees to reset. And that's what he did. And he paid them for the days. that The shop was closed, but he just gave them a mental reset, a safety reset, so they would see that he understood what was going on. He needed it too, but it was like, I can't do Well, wait a minute. Yes, I can. The other thing is, if you're big enough, actually it doesn't even have to be big enough, but like profit sharing in, in a particular company is important. But here's the snafu. Employees oftentimes don't know if I participate in profit sharing, what is the implication on my taxes? Especially if you have a really good year, And if you have a really bad hair, right? So that means your income is going to go up and down. And that'll give them a taste for owning their own place. So what one company did is they brought in an accountant to say, okay, here's the profit sharing plan. And if you're earning this much in pay and we get this much, so you get this bonus, here's kind of what you can do with it. Same thing with retirement. You know, a lot of people, oh, I got retirement. But what does that really mean? Oh, I can tap into it when I... You know, my wife is sick. Well, let's come up with some alternatives. So having an accountant could just kind of come in in very basic terms. So that YouTube thing, that's a great idea.
0: Well, and I the financial education piece, again, I don't think it matters what type of business you're in. I think it's so important. I know there are resources, whether you talk to a local accountant or I know I've uh, followed Dave Ramsey for a long time and being able to see what he's done for financial resources or education resources that people can use in their companies and being able to educate people on the power of having a budget and the power of being a in control of your finances. Because I do think that's really important. I think that's when people really start to look for jobs is whether they don't like the person they're working for or you know what? They hit a tough spot in terms of finances and maybe it's because they didn't do a great job budgeting. You know, here's a, here's some tools, here's some education to help you become better at budgeting so that you don't have to make that jump for the $2 an hour more and the $10,000 signing bonus like we we'll, we're going to treat you right here so you don't have to go elsewhere. And and being able to educate them a little bit there I think is so important and I think it's an underrated piece of the retention side in general, you know, giving them financial education so they don't feel like they have to jump just to, you know, take care of their family.
1: Yeah, I think that Edelman Employment Survey that I mentioned earlier, the 2022 Edelman Employment Survey, 63% of the employees surveyed wanted it, but didn't understand the implication for their
0: own income stream. I think another mm-hmm. piece that might be interesting is retirement. I, I, like it, it, when you say retirement, what do, what do you mean by that?
1: Helping your employees plan for retirement. The missing, I guess, I want to say, demographic is the 26 to 41 year old demographic did not do, has not done a great job of planning for retirement. Regardless, it's across the board, regardless of where they're employed. Gen Zs, which are the elder Gen Zs, are 25 years old right now. But they're, you know, I work with high schoolers. They're already planning for retirement. I'm like, whoa.
0: That's great.
1: Great. Good for you. But there's this gap in there that didn't. And so what can you do as an employer? Maybe that Wednesday, you know, once a month. So you shut down on Wednesdays once a month and maybe once a quarter or twice a year, whatever. Bring someone in for, you know, how can you plan for retirement? How much can you set aside? You know, if you've got older employees that maybe have kids that want to go to school, how do you plan for your kids next steps? You know, especially if they're an artist and you're a mechanic. My poor dad, half of us are artists and half of us are business people. And he was like, Like, you can't work if you're going to be a painter, you know, like an art. So how do you help?
0: Well, I, I, yeah, and I think that it all goes back to understanding where your staff is at, too. And I think being able to ask good questions of your staff. I know John C. Maxwell had the book, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions and, and I think it, it is being able to get that information out of them because it's not like most people aren't going to freely go and say that they're having a, a financial struggle or they're not going to volunteer that they have some issue in their life. And so being able to maybe ask some questions that get good feedback.
1: Thank you, Truck Country and Stoops Freightliner Quality Trailer for being a sponsor of Beyond the Wrench. Truck Country and Stoops is the largest Freightliner dealer group in the U.S. today, serving customers at locations in Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio, and Wisconsin. For nearly 60 years, they've offered new and used medium and heavy-duty trucks, expert service, and an extensive parts inventory, and more. If you are wanting to learn more about Truck Country and Stoops, visit truckcountry.com.
0: You talked about surveying earlier as well. And that's one thing that I am curious to learn more about in terms of how you get good feedback in a survey without, you know, I I think from my past experience, what I've seen in businesses is that people will get punished based on a survey result or something that is unfavorable to the company rather than taking it as like, hey, you know what, this is an opportunity for us to get better. They, They get defensive over it. And in some cases, even if it's anonymous, you can kind of tell who the person filling the survey out is and, and be able to, to circle back to them. And I, I worry that there's times where people won't fill out a survey candidly because they're afraid of getting outed or they're afraid of getting in trouble for giving their honest, candid feedback. And for that reason, just never give good, candid feedback, which is an absolute killer because that kind of defeats the, the purpose of a, a survey in the first place, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, 100%. I'm not sure you can get around that totally because there are some people that just don't trust anybody ever. And that skepticism is kind right. of, you right. know, that's that's that can be healthy. I would, I mean, if you've got an in-house kiosk that, you know, maybe you get, Survey your customers, but then also you can survey your employees. I don't know about you, but I hate long surveys. <laughs> Forget it. You know, so maybe yes, start. one hundred percent. They're the worst. <laughs> right, five question survey on a Likert scale. You know, a disagree, strongly disagree, di- disagree, uncertain, agree, strongly agree. You know, five important questions. And that SHRM Society for Human Resource Management, they can talk about stay interviews and the areas that you can do it. Maybe piece it out that that SMS engagement you know text texting and you know just doing once a week a one week you know once a week question kind of again focused on that stay interview content and they can do it from their own phone but maybe you have an in-house phone or maybe you you get a really cheap little mobile phone and people can go in and you know and you know by the number of people that type of thing again You're not going to get 100% because some people are just like, I don't, I just want to do my job. You know, don't ask me these questions kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if that helps. I
0: think getting, I think it does. And I think the, the importance of having multiple avenues to get feedback is so important, right? Have good relationships with your people because you can get maybe... Surface level type of stuff, or maybe even deeper type of stuff before it becomes a big thing. I've note, I, you know, I've, I've said this in past podcasts, but that was one of the things I struggled with when I was on the industry side as a manager was not allowing it to get to the point to where somebody blows up because of a bunch of little things that have added up and then they get frustrated and, 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 uh, you know, kind of hit their tipping point or something that happened in the shop that day. And, I think I learned some things as to how to do that and it's not an easy thing to do. But then if you can complement that with surveys and you can, you can figure out different ways to get that feedback, I think. That's really where you find the sweet spot is being able to use different avenues to be able to, to get that, that feedback because everybody's communicates differently. They're, they're not all going to communicate the same way. So maybe just trying to, to, to really, again, have your finger on the pulse of, of your business and, and being able to find different opportunities to do that is, is really, really essential to, for your retention rate in general.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Jay, you made me think of two things. One was with regard to the survey. Okay. This might be TMI, (laughs) but my husband and I teach. (laughs) This is perfect. Yeah. We, we teach a marriage preparation course. I mean, any podcast, what is a podcast unless you have a little sex in it, right? So we teach a marriage prep
0: class. Yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) The last class is on romance and sexuality and we have our couples on a three-by-five card, everybody gets exact same three-by-five card. We make sure of this. We pass out the exact same pens with the exact same color ink, and we have them go off to four corners of our house, and they can write any question they want, anything. And then we I literally have them fold it in half, and we have them put it in the sex bucket. And we then we grab those, and my husband goes off in a separate room, and he looks at those, and then he mixes them up with past responses and then comes back, and he asks the question, and we answer it. Because what's interesting is a lot of times it's the partner that's like, oh, I know you asked that question. And we tell them up front. These are mixed in with past classes, and there's a surprising number of questions that are exactly the same. And I would guess, posit, that there are an exact number of answers on your surveys that will be really similar if you, you could just do it that way old school way, right? And then you mentioned when you've got an upset employee, the businesses that you're aligned with, they're fixers. They want to fix stuff and a beginning, middle and end fixed, boom, out the door. But people can't always be fixed. So what we also with this class, when we talk about communication is sometimes just asking the question and letting someone blow off steam without trying to fix it is enough to keep someone. They just want to be heard. Mm. And so ask the question That's- and don't try and charge in and answer the question. Think about it. And if you see a lot of employees we'll sure. blow off steam in the same area, then maybe come up with some solutions and have them collaborate with those solutions. But at first, just ask the question and let people blow off
0: steam. They, they teach us the same thing in the customer service side of things, right? And, and dealing with a customer and an upset customer is that, you know, since I was a young professional, that was always something that was taught in, in classes or books that I would read or whatever, where they talk about, you know, the importance of letting somebody blow off steam just to, because they Felt angry and wanted to yell at somebody, but once I get it out, you can get to the root of the problem. And I think there's there's a lot of validity in what you're saying there because it's kind of the same premise: human beings are human beings; they're 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 going to act out at times, including myself. And I think being able to just have that that person to vent to is is such a key piece. I, I think that is such good advice in general. And and I think we as employers could do a, a better job at at allowing that shoulder to cry on a little bit, if you will, and and letting somebody kind of just get it out. Because I, I think there's times in people's lives where they just get overwhelmed and, and that that happens, right? So being able to allow them to to vent a little bit can be a hugely healthy thing.
1: Yes. And I here's another thought. Wow. This marriage prep class brought all kinds of things to mind. We teach a communication class about the differences in how people communicate. And in general, men, women, they communicate a little differently. But I will tell you, in general, women like to be asked questions. Men like to be told. So instead of asking, how are you feeling? How is it going to a guy that's like, I don't know, it's tumbleweeds up here. I just, just want to get to work, right? But if you tell them, Tell me what you think of this, you and use the word think. Don't use feel. Tell me what you think of this, and then same thing with women. Tell tell me how how are you feeling about this? So pause it as a question. Now let's parse it down to little kids. If you've got a little girl and you see you're playing with other little girls, there's a study by Deborah Tannen that did this, and one girl takes away the other girl's doll. The third girl is going to go up to the original girl and go, are you okay? Do do you want me to go back and get that doll? Now think about the same in a boy group. Little boy takes away another little boy's toy. The first little boy is going to go pop him in the shoulder. Take it back. Give me that. (laughs) Think about man, male, female. When you're walking out the door and let's say you're the man and the wife goes, are you really going to wear that shirt to the party? Question, right? But what the guy wants is just tell me. Joe, you're not walking out the door with that shirt. Go get your polo on. You know, that kind of thing. Same thing with little boys. Do you really don't you think you should put a jacket on? No, just tell them, Johnny, go get a jacket on. I used to teach kindergarten and it's mind-blowing how that really worked well. So think about those surveys, the demographic of your population, and whether it's in person or on paper or on screen. There are ways to craft it to generate a better response.
0: That is great advice and advice that I will probably use today <laughs> at some point <laughs> along the lines. That that is that is really really good. So, let's take this to to the other side, right? In in for that that em, a potential employee that is going through the process of trying to figure out, okay, where, where do I go work? You know, how do I fill out an application or how do I put together a resume? Because it's not the most fun thing in the world to do. And a lot of times, especially with the blue collar side, maybe we don't spend as much time on that as, as, as we should. And I think especially as we've gone down the route of everybody is so desperate for help, desperate to find people, you know, I think employers might, might be adapting a little bit there. But I wonder if you've got any advice for the applicant side of things, things that maybe they need to look at a little differently.
1: Good question. First of all, your your listeners are going to want to know how is she qualified to talk to my you know, next job steps or whatever. I mentioned the other side of our business called Next Steps. I'm a certified resume reviewer, a writer rather, and I probably look at 400 resumes a year. But people hire me to work on their personal brand, resume, LinkedIn profile, applications, that kind of thing, how to communicate certain stuff. So I, I do this a lot and I get paid to do it. And I love doing it. I just love doing it. The number one thing that I see pretty much across the board, entry level through high level people, industrial, whatever, is the tool of the resume is to get the interview. It's, you're not going to get the job with the resume or whether it's a phone interview, an in-person interview, I don't care. So keep that in mind. The second thing is if I'm looking at a resume as a hiring manager or an owner, I wanna know well, why is this resume coming to me? So think about the goal of the resume or whatever tools you have. It's what you wanna do next, right? But the resume has content for everything you did before. So thinking about what you wanna do next, maybe you worked in a multi-chain shop and you just wanna do a mom and pop place or vice versa. Or maybe you want to get into a factory position or something like that. Tell people up front. I always say at the top of your resume and half of our hiring managers look at this and the other half think, eh, it's a waste of time. But just give me one sentence at the top of your resume. have your contact information. And then tell me, what do you want to do next? A certified mechanic in this and this looking for a small gig with client customer interface, you know, or interaction, something like that. Just tell me, have you landed in the right place? And that's super helpful because I know that right away. I'm like, I'm going to keep reading, right? And then in the experience section, just include the skills that speak to that purpose. I mean, if you've been working in a huge conglomerate and you work with a hundred different employees and you hated it, you don't want to say that you're going to keep doing that. You want to say you know had you know one to one client relationships with these type of clients that type of thing. So focus on that. What next? And then as far as the actual appearance of it, just keep it really clean and simple. Doesn't have to be fancy. One inch margins all around because if you're applying to a larger organization, they're probably going to have a database system that parses out all the stuff, and you want to have those clean margins around the side. Normally, I would say in my industry, you cannot have any errors. I think there's a lot more latitude in the industrial environment. People are, you know, I don't need a good speller to fix an engine, right? However, here's my (laughs) caveat. If you're working at Riverside Automotive, and you spell Riverside R-I-V-R-S-I-D Automotive, I'm going to go because you're you're, at the end of the day, even if you're behind the front desk in the shop, at some point, you may represent me as the business owner. And I want to make sure you use spell my name correctly. Likewise, because it's so automated now, you're probably going to have to enter a client name, Mike Smith or Martha Kerrigan. That's my name. I kind of would want you to spell my name right. And I'm not a detail person, yeah. but that's one detail. Same thing with like carburetor. If you're going to be working with carburetors, it would probably be a good idea to spell it correctly. And usually spell check will catch that, but it's not going to it's not going to catch proper names. I can't tell you the number of times I see a resume with Harley Davidson on it and there's no dash in the name, and Harley Davidson has a dash. That's If you can't spell your employer's name correctly, that's kind of a red flag. So focus on what's next, where you want to go next. Have a purpose statement. And you don't need to say purpose, colon, da-da-da-da. Just put it as a sentence underneath your contact before you get into experience. And then finally, pay attention to details that have to do with client names and spelling.
0: Yeah, and I I think it for technicians out there too, it's become more and more important that something like the grammar piece of our business, where you are writing up work orders and you are doing things that need to be legible to a service writer or potentially a customer. And the better you can be with that, the more I think the, I like how you put to kind of put yourself in the other shoes, right? So if you're, if you're in that manager's shoes and it helps that it helps them understand that you're a professional, you're a true professional. And you know, maybe you don't get everything grammatically correct, but there are tools to be able to help you out with that kind of stuff. But you know, represent yourself in a professional manner. Hopefully you're not you know doing resumes over and over again. but I think that's great advice. And then I the other thing, you know, to touch on what you said, a lot of times what I'll see in that intro, the paragraph to the resume, is somebody that will, you can tell, kind of copy and paste a maybe a job description, the actual role, the title, like the the job title, and they'll just put, like, you know, I've always dreamed of being an account manager at X. And I'm like, "Eh, have you? I I don't know if you've really dreamed, (laughs) like you grew up thinking that you were going to be an account manager at Wrenchway. But, you know, maybe just put a little personalization in there, or just be able to to write what it is that you're looking for, and, and you know, hopefully that adapts to the, the shop that you're sending it to. But, you know, I think those ones are always funny to me when I read them, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you put that much time into that part.
1: I have a hiring manager that says, if I meet one more student that's passionate about logistics, really? I hey, don't <laughs> You know like there's ways to just be very upfront and direct and here's the other thing if you participate in activities outside of work so if you say you're you've always wanted to be an account manager and you can't think of any other way to put it then down in your activities tell me something that that you do outside of work that means you would be a good account manager do you know what i mean or even if you've never like been that. one tell me something in your experience that, you know, you increased customer loyalty because you circled back to the client, you know, to your customer X number of times. One other thing is you were talking about writing up work orders. I think in particular to this industry, numeric information is super important also. You know, if you know the pressure has to be such and so on a particular instrument, you know, talk about that. Talk about the, you know, if, if you as a, like I rate my mechanic our shop that we use every single time that we you know they always give me an option to rate him or her if you have some great ratings put that in don't leave that humble break you know like this is important this is the time to do it you may not want to have to say it but you can write it how about you reduced error rates you know so if you can quantify stuff and make sure that your numeric representations are accurate when it comes to work orders and stuff you know your average completion rate is X number, or maybe you don't have a high completion rate, but it's because you are the one, you're, I call him the heart surgeon, right? When you look at a heart surgeon's resume and his insurance rates, they're off the charts. Well, because more people die when they have heart surgery than when you're getting your ankle replaced, right? Or you're fixing a broken bone. And so, but if your error rate is quite low, or if you're assigned to the more complicated mechanics, put that down and give me some examples because your resume tells a story and let the paper tell the story if you're uncomfortable speaking it. Ask other people. I bet you've got someone that you live with or a friend that you, you know, a buddy who you help. My nephew is truck mad. He loves Ford F-150s and he helps a gajillion friends. So put that in your activities. You know, help five friends replace the engine in their Ford F-150s in the course of a year or six months or something. He also restores old tractors. That's interesting. And it adds credibility to the stuff up above.
0: Yeah. And I think from a hiring manager's perspective, when you look at that, and you see that their their interest and hobbies align with what it is that they're trying to do. It it shows that there's you know there's obvious passion or there is actually interest in it being more than just a job. And I think that always speaks volumes to the the person that you're looking at. And I we're we're up on our hour, and I don't know it, it flew right by here, Martha. This was really really good. Any last words of advice to? employers, I know, as, as it pertains to employer marketing, I, I just I think you gave so much good advice over the course of this podcast and things that people can actually take back and use. But any, any last words that you'd like to share with with the listeners out there?
1: Just circling back to what I mentioned, because of all of the circumstances that have happened in the last few years, but also like the last recession, etc. The importance of the individual is paramount. And ambition and success those terms have really changed even if they haven't changed for you personally they most certainly have for your future employees so that's number one the second piece has is sort of my undergirding philosophy because i have a tendency to be afraid i am sort of anxious and but i'm also a woman of faith and so just as all of these things are, are coming at you and i've given you so many details i apologize for that but then but it's also important to know that God is in control and it's going to be OK. We're already seeing things kind of swing back. Right. So it's going to be OK.
0: That's very soothing advice in general. But yes. Yes. I, I appreciate you taking time out of your, your busy schedule to join us today. It was a pleasure talking with you and getting to know you a little bit here during the podcast. Martha, if, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so?
1: You could email me, Martha, at bigshoesnetwork.com, Martha, M-A-R-T-H-A, at bigshoesnetwork.com, or call me, because guess what? We actually answer the phone at 414 So 414
0: can't believe I almost forgot that. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and and look forward to seeing what you continue to do and the positive impact that you have in in the Midwest, especially. But genuinely, genuinely appreciate you joining the show today, and it was a, a real pleasure to get to talk with you.
1: Thanks, Jay. And I'm going to say thanks to Kayla, too, because she's someone that you worked with to help set this up. So thanks, Jay. Thanks, Kayla. Thanks, Wrenchweight.
0: <laughs> thank you. And yes, thank you, Kayla. I, I should never leave her out. She's uh, she's really the driving force behind the podcast and and does a great job there. So thanks again. And we'll be in touch and, and talk soon.